0: Good morning, Midland Free. Good morning. My mic is playing tricks on me. It shows red, but it is green. So we're glad you're here. Hopefully no one's playing tricks on you this morning. Let's uh, pray as we continue to worship God. Father, we thank you and praise you for everything you've taught us and allowed us to be a part of. Lord, we're um, servants and we pray that we would be humble and uh, repentant and thankful and brave and strong. In Jesus' name, amen. So today, what I'm hoping to do is summarize for you uh, the entire book of Ephesians in only a few minutes. And I think that should be doable because we've gone through most of it verse by verse up until this point. But really what I'd like to give you is one takeaway. Like, if you could go away from this series with something in your hand, what would that be? What is the message of Paul to the church in Ephesus? In a single sentence and only a few words, what is he trying to say? How can I remember all of the intense, deep, beautiful, eternal theological truth held in this book and the day-to-day implications and practical outworkings thereof? What is it that the apostle wants to communicate to us? I think that summary is this, and I'll, I'll walk it through. Um, the text here in just a minute, but let me say it in the most simple way I possibly can. And that is this, all things in him, a guarantee. All things in him, a guarantee. This is a message of redemption. This is a message of hope. This is the message of the book of Ephesians. Fundamentally, humanity's issue is Brokenness. We are all broken. Everything in our world is broken. Our world is broken. Everything. Our bodies are broken. Our relationships are broken. Our cars are broken. Our homes are broken. Our environment is broken. Our political systems, our healthcare, our education—everything is broken. No matter where we look, what all we see is brokenness. Even in our best pictures. And the reality, though, is to be overcome in this, that in that, everything that is broken, even though it is broken. God will fix it. Everything is broken, but God. Everything is broken, but God. God will redeem all things through Jesus, and this is a guarantee, and this is the message of the book of Ephesians. It is his plan from eternity past. It is his promise for eternity future, and it is his process in the present. So this is how we will walk through the summary of Ephesians today. Here's the outline of the three points that I'd like to show you. It is this. The message of Ephesians is essentially redemption. And that redemption is God's plan. It is God's promise. And it is God's process. It is his plan from eternity past. It is promise for the eternity future. And it is process right now. In the present, even though we look and see brokenness, there is a plan and there is a promise. We're just in the middle of the process. And so that's an encouraging thought. And I want to remind you today that God has not abandoned you. He has not forsaken you. He has not forgotten you, but he will be faithful to complete the good work that he has begun in you, that all things in him will be redeemed. In other words, here's a summary slide. Basically, it's this, that Jesus wins. Jesus wins, and even in our very worst moments, even when we feel like all is lost, God is still good, and God is there. So let's start with the first one then, the plan, God's plan from eternity past. God will, hear, hear this carefully, because I think when I say in Christ, it's a little bit confusing how it works. What what does the pastor mean? What does the apostle mean? What does the Bible mean when it says in Christ? Essentially, it's this, is that from the beginning of time, before anything ever was, that God willed or God desired or God determined, God guaranteed that everything, creation, redemption, restoration, eternal rule, that he would do it all through Jesus. So even when he made the world, Jesus was an instrument in that. And when he made the world, it was not an accident that humanity sinned. It was not a surprise to him. It was planned from the beginning in a strange, mysterious, eternal will of God. God not only foreknew and foresaw, but planned for the fall. And then when we fell, he had everything in place to move the process forward. Jesus came to forgive, to heal and restore, and eventually he'll come again to rule. So the whole kit and caboodle, everything from beginning to end, from before creation through creation, to fall, redemption, restoration, the whole thing is, is through Christ. That is why Ephesians begins the book with a message like this. He says, look, here's the plan. Here's the message of Ephesians. There's a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things, everything, to bring it together, to sum it up, to bring the grand crescendo of this whole charade into one, all things in him. Things in heaven and on earth. One commentator, Lincoln, in Word Biblical Commentary, says it like this. He says, there it's a beautiful quote. I love this thought. He says, there is therefore no aspect of this universe outside the scope of God's redemptive process. Nothing... Goes under the rug. Nothing sneaks away. Nothing is so terrible. Nothing is so hidden. Nothing is so far removed that God will not redeem it. The plan is that all things, all things, even the Holocaust, even the most horrible events imaginable, even slavery, God will somehow redeem in Christ. That is the plan from eternity past. Now, the promise then, the promise is for eternity future. And I really wanted to go at this point. In my outline, I wanted to go past, present, future. But my thinking here, and I think the way in which the Bible outlines it, is you really can't get through the present without knowing the promise for the future. Like If there's no promise for the future, then the present is too difficult to endure, and it's not worth it, and why try? Because it's frustrating, and I don't want to wait. But if you know the future, then there is hope, there is motivation, there is movement, then you can endure the present. And so the way this outline goes, and I think the way this book goes is the same, is it gives you the plan and then the promise, and then it talks about the present. So the first thing is a plan that all things are going to be redeemed in Christ. And that's a little bit nebulous except for the cross and the resurrection and the return. And now here's the promise. What what is in store for us in the future? The promise is this. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, it says, In him, that's again going back to that idea of everything being summed up in Christ. In him, you also, like specifically you and me and everyone in Christ, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, and believed in him, when you came to that moment that you realized Jesus as your Savior, at that very moment, boom, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the Hope, chance, opportunity, maybe. No, he is the guarantee of our inheritance, of this promise, of this future riches, of this eternal hope. He is the guarantee of that until we acquire the possession of it to the praise of his glory. So we're not there yet. Nothing is perfect. Everything is broken. And yet God guarantees that in the present, in this present process, there is a future hope. This promise of redemption. Now, I know in life, it's, it's hard to think about what is real. Now, what do you mean by that, Pastor Jeremy? Well, a lot of times, perhaps you've heard this saying, a bird in hand is better than two in the tree. Have you heard that? And a lot of our hopes, I think, in life are basically two in the tree. Like, oh, maybe this, or maybe that, or maybe this, or maybe that. We're working for the two in the tree all the time, when in reality, we already have one in the hand. What is the one in the hand I have? It says it's this, the promised Holy Spirit. He has sealed you. He has marked you. He has guaranteed you. Even though you're not perfect, even though you're broken, even though you struggle, even though you hurt, even though you sin, even though you fall, you have this hope as an anchor of the soul, the guarantee, the promised Holy Spirit It is absolute. It is irrevocable. It is guaranteed. It is way beyond what we in this world describe as a hope. Look how Ephesians chapter 3, verse 11 says it. says, this is according to the eternal purpose. Remember, it goes way back before us that he realized, past tense, completed action, done deal, in Jesus Christ our Lord. In other words, it's an accomplished fact. The Bible sees your salvation, your redemption, your future, your hope as a guarantee. It's not a what if. It's not a maybe. It's not a just if I'm good enough. It is a guarantee. Jesus finished it. Jesus accomplished it. The gospel is not based on our works, but on what Christ did. It is done. It's finished. When he said it's finished, he meant it's finished. Jesus won. Jesus defeated Satan. Jesus overcame. And we see this in this plan that all things are to be summed up in him. If were to be summed up in us, then there is no hope. We might lose. But because Christ won, it is a guaranteed Reality. That is what's real. That Jesus wins. It's a completed fact. And so we have to apply this then to ourselves and take this text and begin to massage it in a little bit. And We can ask ourselves some very specific questions. As we look at our brokenness of everything around us, we see our bodies are broken. Are you hurting physically? You can raise your hand. It's okay. Raise your hand. Are you hurting physically? Well, Look. God says all things in him will be redeemed. Romans 8 promises us a new perfect body. He will redeem you. He will. He promised. Your body will be healed. Just like Jesus was raised from the dead, so too are we. Christ is the first fruits of the resurrection. We are hurting now. No surgeries, medicine, whatever will eventually help us. Ultimately, what we need is a new body. It's a guarantee. Are you hurting physically? Now, you don't have to raise your hand for this one, but ask yourself, are you struggling relationally? It's a relationship in your life that is not quite right. That's one you just can't figure out and you're working at it. And man, it's hard and you pray about it. But one step forward, two step back, what do we do? All things in him, a guarantee. Even that relationship, somehow God will bring together for good. It may not mean that you and that person are ever reconciled, but it means that that process at work in your life, God will use for your good in his glory. What about your efforts? I don't know whether it's a job or a home or a yard or a house or whatever, but we spend our efforts on a lot of things. We only have a limited amount of human strength, and we invest that in stuff, and we work really hard, and sometimes all of our effort goes into something, and that something breaks. Man, why do I even try? All things in him, a guarantee. Even if what you did didn't work out, Jesus says that he will redeem what he's doing in you. That that process will be for your good in his glory. Our bodies, our relationships, our homes, our work, our time, our families. That's Ephesians chapter 5. Slaves and masters, children and parents, husbands and wives. It goes through all of these different environments in which we live and work and move and have our being. And it says all of those are redeemed in Christ. Everything is being summed up in him. This is why when you turn on the radio, you listen to a Christian music station, you might hear a song called The Best News Ever by Mercy Me. I love what they have did with that because they've taken a little bit of artistic license and applied it to the gospel. And what they said is, you know, the gospel, the good news, the eungelion, the evangelical. It's a Greek word for good news. But they say, hey, you know what? Realistically, that's not good news. That's the best news Ever that is so good i mean good is not the word for it in our language good is like yeah that's decent and not a bad meal whatever no 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 this is the best news ever that everything that's broken will be fixed and everything else that we mess up it doesn't matter christ is overcome and that's why we are messengers sings a song maybe it's okay and it's really weird because you listen to this and you hear you know and they say maybe it's okay if we're broken maybe it's okay if we mess up maybe it's and you're like what I'm not supposed to be broken. I'm not supposed to mess up. I'm not supposed to fall. How is that okay? Is it okay for us as Christians to wallow in our sin? And the answer is no. But the reality is this. Because of what Christ did. Because of his completed work on the cross. Because of the guarantee of all things in him. The eternal redemption we have. The promised Holy Spirit who is our seal. Then it's okay. Then all of this mess up will be cleaned up. God will fix it it's a guarantee. So maybe it is okay. And you know what? That's why it is the best news ever. God's will is our fallback. God's will helps us to be gracious with ourselves and forgiving to others. God's will completes us. God's will comforts us. It moves us along. It bumps us back when we get off track. It gives us grace and it secures us in Christ. Here's the message of Ephesians. It is a plan from the past. It is a promise for the future. Leaning in just a little bit more. We got to ask ourselves the question. Hey, you know what? Do you believe this message? Like, do you really believe it? Do you believe that God's will, his plan, that all things in him will be redeemed is more powerful than any other Force at work in the world. Do you believe. That God's plan. Is more powerful. Than any other force at work in the world. We just got done reading about all the charlatan rulers and powers and principalities and authorities and wickedness the things that oppose us and we experience that every day we feel pain we see brokenness and sometimes we think darkness wins. Because everything we did today was a setback. But the reality is this. If we really want to see our hearts and our emotions and our minds and our fears stilled and given peace and grace that the Bible promises, then we have to believe that Jesus wins. We must believe that God's will, God's promise, his future is a guarantee. And that's important because, look, I think a lot of us get part way. We get to the point where we say, yeah, we believe in God, but I don't really believe in me. You know, I believe God gets it right all the time, but I don't. And so his will is going to go forward with or without me. It just may not include me. But the reality is, if you're hearing this this morning and you're believing in Jesus, then you have the Holy Spirit. He's a promise and a guarantee, and it does include you. God's will does include you. This is his plan. And so God's will, if it includes you, then even you can't mess it up. We can't. And if we think that we can mess up God's will, then we're not believing what he says. The reality is, is God says that in him, you were chosen before the foundation of the world. And if that is true, then you are part of his will. God didn't choose you and go, oh, shoot, my bad. I shouldn't have chosen that one. It's not a mistake. He did it on purpose. He wants you. He loves you. He has you. And he's not going to let go of you. It is not possible for God to lie. It is not possible for him to fail. It is not possible for him to forget. And he will not forget you. All things in him a guarantee. This is unlike anything we have in this world. Everything here is two in a tree, but this is one in the hand. The Holy Spirit is on you. He is in you. He is part of you. He is holding you. He is connecting you to Christ. You are mystically transformed and brought into the eternal union. All things in him a guarantee. Look, this is the message of Ephesians. Take away one thing. Take this. All things in him, a guarantee. Here's the plan of redemption. See it again. Redemption is a plan from eternity past. It is a promise for eternity future. And it is a process that God is working out in the present. It is a powerful plan. It is a perfect promise. And it is a long and slow process. Process described in chapter 4, after it shows the beautiful plan in chapters 1 through 3, says it like this, and it uses the word walk a lot in Ephesians. Because life is a journey. It is long. It is hard. It is slow. It says, therefore, based on all that, now we're into the process. We've talked about the promise. We've talked about the plan. Now we're in the process. This is your present. Therefore, as a prisoner of the Lord, Paul was in prison when he wrote this, remember, remember, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Based on all of that, why would you live any differently? If you are called to eternal perfection and bliss with Christ, why would you settle for lesser, lesser treasures? Beer, golf, day at the lake, they're just not as good they're okay for the moment and they help and on occasion but they are not what we are living for how do we do this how do we walk in such a manner so as to be worthy of such a high calling well it's actually it's somewhat simpler than we think we we probably think that you have to do some great deed you have to be mother Teresa, or that you have to like walk on water or turn water to wine but the reality is this the bible tells us in romans chapter 12 verse 2 that we are transformed we are changed we become different by the renewal of our mind think about today how many people are struggling mentally and emotionally and how many um you know illnesses there are inside of people that we don't even see and the reality is the bible has affirmed this from way back when and what it says to us is this that the way in which you change is by thinking differently The Holy Spirit comes into your life and then you put God's word into you and you begin to read God's word and new thoughts come into you and the Holy Spirit convicts your heart and applies those things to you. And you begin to think differently and you begin to feel differently and then you begin to act differently. Any behavioral psychologist will tell you the majority of the time, despite how logical we think we are, we are driven by our emotions. We feel and then we act. The only way to change how we feel is to change the way we think. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23, look, be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Put on the new self and create it after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. We have to train our brains to direct our heart. Don't follow your heart. The heart is deceitful and wicked. Who can know it? Train your brain to direct your heart. It's like ski tracks in the snow. You are beating down the path that you want your mind to go. And as you beat down that path, then your heart will follow. Train your brain to direct your hearts. And that's why we've said in the past, some of the things that you can do are these. Here's some necessary next steps, practical helps that may even be good for teenagers or Retirees, Here they are. If you want to train your brain to direct your heart, here's what you do. You pull out your iPhone. See if I can get this. All right. Ready? We'll see if it works. Siri, remind me tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. that Jesus wins. Okay. I'll remind you. You got it? That's all you do, and if you're carrying an uh, android, I don't know. I guess you're lost. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. This is old. It's not a super-duper expensive, but it works. Set up a reminder, a recurring reminder. Why? Because, not because I have a magic pill that I can give to you this morning, and as you take it, you walk out of here, and you'll be perfectly transformed. But instead, we read that the Christian life is a walk. It's a slow, long journey approach process. You have to be conformed by gradually, over and over again, transforming or renewing your mind. It's a process, and so every day you get up and you remind yourself that Jesus wins. And your body may not feel like that when you wake up in the morning, and your mind may not feel like that when you go to bed at night, and your heart may not feel like that throughout the rest of the day. But you remind yourself no matter what, over and over, the promise, the guarantee, the internal inheritance is that Jesus wins. That he wins no matter what, and all things are being redeemed in him. And so I don't care if you use your phone. I don't care if you use your pillboxes. I don't care if you write a note in your locker or on your mirror or on your garage door or whatever you see every day, but whatever it is, you put it in front of your face and you do it over and over again so that the first thing on your mind and the last thing on your lips is that Jesus wins. That is our only hope and that is our only guarantee. That is the one in the hand and everything else is two in the tree. Jesus wins. All things in him a guarantee. This is the message of redemption. This is the message of Ephesians. This is not that foreign to us and yet it is hard to do. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but when you um, read the Old Testament, there's all these great battles and victories and amazing things that happen. There's prophets and miracles sometimes i find myself thinking man i wish that would happen today i wish i wish we could just walk out there and be like lord go before us and boom the walls fall down or this happens or that happens why not why not lord and i watch and i read the prayers beforehand looking for some process like they did this and then they did this and then they did this and they got it all right and therefore then god did this but the reality is this most of the time i see these amazing things happen There's a very simple thing right before it. And the person just prays and said, Lord, there's no hope for us. We got nothing. Our only hope is you. And if you come through, then we'll win. But if you don't, then we'll lose. And that, I think, is a general summary of nearly every great prayer in the Bible. They start with the character of God and say, This is who you are. You are faithful. You are powerful. You are good. You're just, you're right, you're true, you're holy. Very things that we sung when we started our service today. This is who you are. And then they go from there and they say, okay, well, that's who you are. And here's my situation. So how does that stack up against you? You can do anything you want. Lord, will you please? We're just asking. We got nothing if it's not you. Most often in that case, the answer is yes. And that's how God works. Sometimes he uses our processes, but most often he uses his power to show us it's his power and not our process. So when you start to transform and renew your mind, you put before yourself God's eternal character, his power, his person, his plan. And the most simple way I know to say that is basically Jesus wins. That actually says a whole lot. We're talking about the whole kit and caboodle, eternity past, eternity future, the process. But the short summary is Jesus wins. You put that in front of you and you say that over and over again. And when those things come up, you fight them with that. Here's the armor of God. It's all based on Christ and his righteousness. We take off ours and put on his and all of a sudden we're well clad. Because Jesus wins. So in 2019 and 2020 and 20 whatever and 30, 40, 50, however many thousand years from now same is still true that god is good god is in control and jesus wins that's the message of the bible that's the message of ephesians that's the message of redemption It's a guarantee that gives us confidence it's a guarantee that gives us hope it's a guarantee that gives us courage it's a guarantee that gives us grace and peace See, every one of Paul's letters, nearly everyone starts with the same thing, grace and peace. And it ends with the same thing, grace and peace. And we think it's some customary greeting. But the reality is it's this incredibly unusual characteristic of the Christian life. The world does not have this. The world does not have grace. The world does not have peace. We have cheapened grace to think it's overlooking a sin. But the reality is is grace is God's incredible power that overcomes sin. It is what Jesus did on the cross to make it okay, to fix it in the end. It is not that we did something and looked the other way. It is that we did something and Christ overcame it and did something better. Grace is something that only we have because grace is something that only comes through Jesus. And peace is something that only we have because peace is only something that comes through Jesus. So when you are believing or marked or sealed in him, then you have grace and peace. And you look different than everyone and everything around you because the world does not have it. I don't know if you've read the paper or watched the news lately, but there is no grace and there is no peace. But in him, we have redemption of all things, and there is grace and peace. So based on God's eternal plan, based on God's prophetic future, and based on the promise in the present, then the apostle Paul can write to them and close his letter. And say stuff like this. This is why I'm sending our beloved brother Tychicus to you. A faithful minister in the Lord. He will tell you everything. You see I don't have email or Snapchat or Facebook or whatever. So he's going to give you all the extra details. But you need to know. I've sent him to you. Verse 22. I've sent him to you for this very purpose. One that you may know how we are. And two so that he may encourage your hearts. Here's the purpose of the book of Ephesians. It's an encouragement. It's an encouragement. He will encourage our hearts. How? As Ephesians verse 2 says. By giving grace and peace. From where? From my retirement account. From my comfortable situation. From my two birds in the tree. Absolutely not. But from the one in our hand. God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he concludes. Peace. Peace be to the brothers in love with faith from our God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all of you who love the Lord with love incorruptible. Here's a concluding summary then of the book of Ephesians. All things, all things, everything in him a guarantee. The plan from the past, the promise for the future, and it's a process in the present. It's, it's a process, man. It's, it's hard. It's long. It's slow. It's a walk. It's the gradual transformation by the renewing of our minds. But even in all that, we can remember that even in our worst moments, Jesus still wins. All is well. God is here. Jesus wins. One theologian from the 19th century said it like this. He says, there's not one square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign, does not cry out, mine. All things in him, guarantee. That is why Jesus, when he talks to his followers, sums it up like this. Guys, hey, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in Jesus. In him, believe. In him, all things in him are guarantee. That is the plan, that is the promise, and that is the process. That all things in him are guaranteed. I know I've been talking about these assurances this morning, but I want to remind you, this is for people who are on the team. Some of us could perhaps go away from this message and think, oh, okay, cool, so that everybody everywhere goes to heaven and it's all good. No, no, that's not what this is saying. Remember that whole thing about in him, in Christ, for those who believed when you heard the word of truth, the promised seal of your salvation. There's a great big caveat there. And that caveat is this, is only those who are in him. Only that which is believing in Christ will be redeemed. Everything else is done away with. And then the old becomes new. But first things first, and that is this. If you haven't believed in Jesus Christ for the first time ever, if you haven't repented of your sins, and trusted in his death, his burial, and his resurrection for your forgiveness, then you need to do that today. If you walk out of here without believing in Jesus, without repenting, then you very well could go to hell. The simple message of salvation by grace alone through faith alone is in Christ alone. It's not in anything or everything, but it's only in him. And this is the promise that indeed, if you are in him, it's a guarantee. But if you're not, it's also a guarantee that you'll go the other way. Very clear. It's very simple, and it's not dependent on any of us. By grace, through faith, in him. And so this morning, wherever you're at, it doesn't matter if you had a terrible week. It doesn't matter if you had a wonderful week. It doesn't matter if you've been a believer for 50 years. It doesn't matter if you become a believer for today. The same message applies no matter what, the same way all the time. All things in Him, Jesus wins. The guarantee. Believe His plan from eternity past, hope in it for the future, and trust and follow in Him in the present all things in him a guarantee father we thank you and praise you for jesus your only son who fixes it all lord it's an incredible plan it's way beyond me i'm thankful that you're making it happen lord i if it were on me i would mess it up lord it's on him so we trust him we believe in him praise him Love Him and we thank Him. In Jesus' name, amen.